Looking to snap a two-game losing streak, the Seahawks will hit the road once again, heading towards the East Coast, playing the Detroit Lions in the Eastern Time Zone. Seattle's been one of the few teams on the West Coast that's been successful, consistently winning those games. Will they do it again in Detroit? We're going to be breaking down key matchups to watch in Sunday's Week 4 battle at Ford Field here on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our latest matchup Wednesday, my co-host in crime, Rob Ray. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. As I just mentioned, it is matchup Wednesday. The Seahawks have a road date at Ford Field with the Detroit Lions coming up on Sunday. A banged up Detroit Lions squad that may be missing some key players. We're going to keep that in consideration when we look at our matchups to watch heading into this week. Jam-packed episode coming your way, and it's brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. Now for your lead story here on our Matchup Wednesday installment of Locked On Seahawks. A number of roster moves coming today. We broke down the possibility of this one happening yesterday on the show, but Travis Homer is officially heading to injured reserve which means he's going to miss at least the next four games. And some of our listeners may think, eh, third or fourth string running back, not a huge loss. But as we mentioned yesterday, Rob, Travis Homer is arguably the most important special teams player on Seattle's roster away from maybe Michael Dixon and Jason Myers. As far as your guys on kick and punt coverage, Travis Homer does so many different things as far as making tackles and blocking guys but he's also a main communicator on special teams. And that can be really difficult. As Pete Carroll said today, it might be like replacing two players right now for the Seahawks the next few weeks. So this is not a small loss by any stretch. No, it certainly is not. Um, You know, in terms of the running back position, again, as we talked about in yesterday's show, Seattle brought in, interestingly enough, another former Detroit Lions back, uh, former safety in Godwin Iwabuke. Uh, I think that is going to help solve any of the concerns that you have as far as players who can tote the rock. Uh, you know, so so that's significant. But I think the more significant point, as you mentioned, is on special teams. And that's why I think that, uh, you know, bringing up the cornerback Xavier Crawford up from the practice squad uh, to the, you know, to the, the full team, the 53-man roster. And he has played the last couple of weeks as well. Um, so this is nothing new. I think that that is a significant uh, sign of what Seattle's plan is on special teams, that they basically view Crawford as a similar type player who has those communication skills that has the open field tackling ability, the straight line speed that you are going to be missing with Travis Homer being uh, on the IR. So to me, that is some of the biggest news, but there's been some exciting news as well. Not the least of which is the fact that another cornerback, Trey Brown um, is making big strides timing for the Seahawks. And I presume the 40 yard dash and Pete Carroll said that he had some good times here considering just the, how significant 
significant of an injury that Trey Brown underwent a year ago. And the fact that there was a possibility that Brown wouldn't be able to play at all this season. If he is able to make it by the halfway point of this year, I think that would be a huge step forward for the Seahawks secondary. Yeah, that was a much different report than what we got a week ago or two weeks ago. The last time Pete Carroll talked about Trey Brown, it sounded like he wasn't anywhere close. But now running some 40-yard dashes, putting some good times in, and the trainers now are starting to think timelines up to this point. We hadn't heard anything about potential timelines. So he could be back on the practice field within the next couple of weeks. Now, I want to err on a side of caution here for our listeners that – just because he's returning to practice does not mean he's going to be playing in a game within a week, especially coming off a patellar tendon injury. They are going to be cautious with Trey Brown, and they're going to make sure he's 100% healthy, that he's gotten enough time on the practice field in to show that he's ready to return to game action before they make that move. And they're going to have a 21-day window whenever they try to activate him from the pup list. They will have that three-week window till they have to either put him on the 53-man roster or put him back on injured reserve and he's done for the season. You hope that that latter scenario is not the one that plays out. So you want to make sure that you don't rush him too quickly coming back from an injury that I still believe is maybe the most significant one short of a neck injury that you can have in today's NFL. Patellar tendon injuries, they've made strides, but this is still an injury that a lot of guys don't come all the way back from. So the Seahawks are hoping that it's not the case with Trey Brown and Assuming he gets back healthy, I think where he really makes things interesting, he was playing on the outside last year, but he has played some slot in the past. And if Kobe Bryant doesn't really latch to that position and Justin Coleman doesn't come back healthy or doesn't retake that position, I could very well see a few weeks down the road, whenever Trey Brown's ready to go, that they put him in the slot to go with Tariq Woolen and whoever they have starting at the other position. Right now it's Mike Jackson, maybe eventually it's Sidney Jones or Artie Burns. But I think that Trey Brown's got a chance to maybe help out in the slot. So that is certainly very encouraging news compared to what we got on him two weeks ago. It is encouraging news, and I would agree with you. I, I've been really impressed by Trey Brown on the outside. I think anybody who watched the Seahawks had to be impressed by what he showed uh, in his limited opportunities on the outside for the Seahawks a year ago. Um, I also just think that his size, his feistiness, his, his instincts, similar to Kobe Bryant, that that just really screams as a possible stud at the nickel cornerback spot. And, you know, it used to be that if you said a guy projects best at nickel cornerback, that that might be perceived as a slight. I don't think that as a slight as all. And I think that the nickel cornerbacks, of course, in today's NFL are starters and some of the best receivers in the league play in the slot, not the least of which, of course, is the, the reigning Super Bowl MVP, Cooper Cup. Um, so to me, that it would be a huge, huge addition if Seattle was able to get Trey Brown back at all this season. And then, oh, by the way, considering how much the Seattle's pass rush has been a struggle, Alton Robinson also sounded like, according to Pete Carroll, sounds like he is on the road to recovery. Of course, his knee injury from a season ago is not considered quite as serious as the patella tendon injury that Trey Brown suffered, but still a significant knee injury. That pass rush issue has been a significant one. And Alton Robinson has the size that Daryl Taylor, frankly, does not. He has been somebody that I've criticized you know, on multiple occasions so far because he just frankly has not performed nearly as well against the run 
as Alton Robinson has throughout most of his college and NFL career. So if the Seahawks were able to get Robinson back as well, this could be an early NFL season injury report that actually could be positive for the Seahawks rather than negative as it is with most clubs at this time. Yeah, season. Robinson um, Robinson went on injured reserve right after they had their first 53-man roster because he was dealing with a PCL sprain that he suffered at the end of training camp. And he had a knee injury last year. I think these two were separate. But he, you know, you look at his track record the last two years, the pass rushing production wasn't there last year. And I think he was dealing with that knee issue most of the season. He just wasn't right. His rookie year, he gave you four sacks, and he made some really nice tackles in the backfield as a run defender. He actually might be a better fit playing that 3-4 position than I originally anticipated, especially if they're going to be playing more of those base nickel looks where it's a four-man front. He's a natural doing that. And so getting another edge defender that maybe can be able to excel against the run would be a nice addition for the Seahawks right now. He cannot play this weekend. Obviously, he's not returned to practice. He's going to miss at least one more game. Sounds like he might be a couple more weeks away himself, but Pete Carroll's hopeful they're going to get him back in the near future. He's in good shape. He's been working out. So, they're going to get him back. Hopefully they can fast track, get him back and, and bolster their depth at the edge rushing position, moving towards the middle of the season. Coming up next, we're going to kick off our matchup Wednesday festivities for the week. And we got a spicy one that we're going to talk about that a certain Seahawks star player kind of got drummed up a little bit today prior to their Wednesday practice. So we're going to look at the Seahawks on offense against the Lions on defense coming up next year on our Wednesday installment of Locked On Seahawks. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years, and LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find top candidates in sports media. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Add your job in the purple Hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools, tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn.com? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Matchup Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. As always, glad to be joined by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. We got the Seahawks set to go on the road for the second time this year. They lost 27-7, their first road game in Santa Clara, hoping they don't repeat that disaster, going to Ford Field, their first Eastern time zone game of the 2022 season. Let's start with the Seahawks on offense, Rob, going up against the Lions defense that right now, at least in terms of points, they rank dead last in the league. It has been a struggle for this defense. One player, though, that is having a really strong season, at least statistically it looks like he is, Jeffrey Akuda, former top three pick for the Detroit Lions out of Ohio State. He's having a fantastic year last week. Really good coverage going up against Justin Jefferson of the Vikings. I asked DK Metcalf today what he has seen on film from Jeffrey Akuda, and this is what he had to say to it. He said he's got a safety behind him 
So he's not really locking people down, but he's a good corner. And I had to give him a little bit of a, you know, whoa, I was not expecting that comment from DK Metcalf. Last week, he was so complimentary of A.J. Terrell, the corner for the Atlanta Falcons. And to see him make that comment today, and he was later asked to follow up, you know, well, what have you seen on film? He's like, well, you can go watch the tape. That's just my opinion. So it kind of was dismissive of Jeffrey Okuda. And Rob, it's kind of strange to me, although going back and watching some of the tape from last week against the Vikings, he's not wrong. They were putting two safeties behind him at times, extra cushion against Justin Jefferson in that game. And that's part of the reason Jefferson only had 14 receiving yards in the entire game. But several other receivers went off because of those coverage strategies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Lions bracketed Justin Jefferson, which of course makes sense considering what dynamic talent he is. But, you know, with Akuda, who has struggled mightily with injuries since he came in, as you mentioned, it's a top five pick. There's only so many cornerbacks that have been selected with a top five pick. Uh, you know, Seattle's, uh Sean Springs was one of them, if I remember correctly, uh, years ago. Um, Akuda has played a total of 13 NFL games in three seasons in the NFL since being selected that high. So just the fact that he has started the last three games is a, is a step in the right direction for this former superstar from Ohio state. And I, I would agree with Metcalf to a point that again, he is being protected in the back end by some pretty solid safety play by a better pass rush than the lions have had uh, in the past. A big deal or a big part of that is of course their number two overall selection, Aiden Hutchinson, who we'll be talking about here in a moment. But at the same time, I can tell you this, Akuda can move. I mean, this is a guy that I, I like to use the term greasy knees, guys that just change directions really smoothly, and he certainly can do that. He has the 4-3 speed to be able to run stride for stride with DK Metcalf. This is a six-foot-plus kind of guy with the long arms, and even though he, only he doesn't have a single interception in his NFL career to this point, he did show good ball skills back in the day at Ohio State. So I think this is an interesting matchup. I, I love the competitiveness that, that Metcalf is showing in his press conference. I just want to see it translate to production on the field. Of course, he had a touchdown reception last week against A.J. Terrell, who he was, as you said, was complimentary. If you're going to be somewhat dismissive, then be dominant uh, in, in this type of matchup because the Seahawks are going to need him if they're going to be able to pull off what is now being considered an upset on the road against Detroit. I'm wondering what the Lions are going to do from a strategic standpoint because I can't see them playing the same type of coverages, bracketing DK Metcalf the way they did with Jefferson just because the presence of Tyler Lock on the other side. Although Adam Thielen's a pretty darn good player. KJ Osborne's a pretty good player too. And the Vikings were able to get the ball to them whenever they wanted to, it felt like, especially the second half because of the way that the Lions were prioritizing their coverage to try to take away Jefferson. And I think actually it ended up being their detriment losing that game late last week. The Vikings made their adjustments. I don't know that they're going to be doing something like that against the Seahawks, but I think DK Metcalf is hoping that Jeff Okuda is going to come up and try to play physical press coverage against him the way that he did against Justin Jefferson, because as great of a player as Jefferson is, he is not the physical presence that DK Metcalf is. There's very few guys built like that at the receiver position, and he has dominated opponents when they tried to press him in the past. So I'm really curious if Jeff Akuda is going to try to do that because that's when he's at his best, 
and he does have the speed to be able to recover if Metcalf gets by him on a step. But at the same time, that is kind of one of those type situations you're taking one heck of a gamble going against Metcalf. So I, I think this is one of those get your popcorn ready matchups. I was thinking it before Metcalf said that today, and now it has gotten even spicier. So that is going to be a matchup that I'm super excited to watch this week between two real studs. Akuda's not been healthy enough to really show what he can do, but now we're seeing it here playing really well against three great receivers to open the season with Jefferson being just the most recent a week ago. Now let's shift to the run game because the Detroit Lions, I mentioned they're dead last in the NFL in scoring defense. And a big reason for that, they rank near the bottom of the league in basically every metric defending the run. This has been a team that's been a turnstile for running backs. They've been able to rock it through. They've almost made the Seahawks at times look like a functional run defense. That's saying something. Uh, the two games that I've gone back and watched, they've made some nice plays where they've been able to get in the backfield. They've also given off. Uh, giving up a lot of big runs. And so this feels like a game. Rashad Penny, Ken Walker the third. Last week they were able to, as a team, get over 100 yards rushing. This should be a game that they should be looking to get 150, really pile up those carries, wear down this defense, because Alex Anzalone and Malcolm Rodriguez, the sixth-round pick out of Oklahoma State, those are your two inside linebackers. No offense to them, but I'm running right down the gut at those guys because I'm thinking I my interior line can get up there and climb, and I think my running backs can break and make those guys miss on tackles. And so to me, this is maybe the most important matchup for Seattle in this game because you want to have some sustained drives to keep Detroit's high-powered offense off the field. How do you do that? You run the ball effectively. You sustain long, drawn-out drives, and you finish them with touchdowns. This may be a defense that can finally get that job done, particularly with the run game. Just not overly impressed with the linebackers. And Rodriguez maybe is going to be a really good player, but he's a sixth rounder and he's very inexperienced. This is a matchup that should work for the Seahawks if they played their capabilities. Yeah, I mean, Rodriguez is a good football player, as you just said, but he's also a limited athlete. Um, I, I look at that defensive line for Detroit. Ali McNeil is a good player. He's not quite as quick as, say, Grady Jackson uh, a week ago, fortunately for the Seahawks. Uh, but at the same time, he is a good run-stuffing guy, 6'2", 320 pounds. And then, oh, by the way, they got Michael Brockers, who a lot of Seahawks fans might remember Brockers' time with the Los Angeles Rams, a good, big, physical player. So I would agree that Detroit's linebackers are a little bit of a liability. We talked about that uh, with the Denver Broncos a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think that Seattle's running back, Seattle's tight ends against those linebackers could be an issue for Detroit. And it certainly would make some sense if you're going to try and eliminate the home crowd, then you get those running backs going for the Seahawks. Uh, we, we talked about this uh, in yesterday's show. I really think that this is an opportunity where both uh, you know, Rashad Penny, as well as Ken Walker III, having a, a triumphant return to the great state of Michigan, that, that would be right in his wheelhouse to be able to create some big plays. To me, as excited as I am about the one-on-one -on -one matchup that could be between DK Metcalf and Jeff Akuda, I think from a winning and losing matchup, 
for Seattle to get some kind of production on offense, they have got to be as productive in the running game as, as you just uh, you know predicted it might be the case. So to me, this is a fascinating one. Really interested to see how Seattle tries to attack those linebackers who, again, are instinctive. They're physical. They're just not necessarily the most fleet of foot linebackers. So Seattle's speed at running back and tight end should be major issues in this game for Detroit. And Seattle really, I think, is on the cusp of breaking out with their run game. We saw it last week. They were so good the first couple drives. And then late in the game, Penny had a couple nice runs. But it was very inconsistent as the game went along. They are looking for four quarters where they are able to run the football effectively. I think they're very close to getting that going. And this is the right opponent to take that next step against. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have to be able to win in the passing game if you want to go on the road, especially because you know the Lions are going to put points on the board with the weapons they have. Number one offense in the NFL, they are going to put points on the board. You're going to have to be able to put some points on the board yourself with the passing game. And for Geno Smith to do that, they're going to have to keep him protected from Aiden Hutchinson and Charles Harris, who led the team in sacks last year, former first-round pick, has kind of revitalized his career in Detroit. Those two coming off the edge – there might be some people sleeping a little bit on that, thinking, well, Charles Cross and Abe Luke, because they've already seen Nick Bosa. They've seen Bradley Chubb. This has a chance to be one of the tougher matchups, maybe, that nobody's that people are overlooking a little bit for these two rookies, because Aiden Hutchinson is a number two pick for a reason. This guy has an endless motor, great bend off the edge, can win with power, too. He's already got three sacks. He had all three of those in one game. So he's that kind of player that when he gets rolling, he can rack up sacks quickly in bunches. And Charles Harris is another guy that's got electricity and burst coming off the edge. Both these rookie tackles, Cross and Lucas, have exceeded expectations, at least for me to this point. They've taken every test and they've handled it. There's been some rookie mistakes, but this is going to be another test that maybe people are overlooking because Hutchinson and Harris, even though this is not a team that's an elite pass rushing group, those two guys off the edge, edge could cause some real trouble and get after Geno Smith. If that happens, it's going to be tough for the Seahawks to win this football game. It is. And I think Hutchinson in particular is a really difficult matchup. This is a really good player. I mean, he's not only a, a terrific athlete, um, but he just plays the game like an NFL veteran. Um, and anytime you hear Hutchinson and you hear the name Seahawks, then you get those uh, questions. Is he related to Steve Hutchinson? He is not. But at the same time, he certainly plays with the same type of motor physicality of uh, the Seahawks and Minnesota Vikings Hall of Famer uh, Steve Hutchinson in that he just plays the game the way you want it to be played. So yep. for those people who maybe aren't watching just from a blue and green glasses perspective, and you just want to watch a good football player, watch the way a guy can vary his pass rush, watch the way he uses his hands, watch the way he sniffs out screens and things of that nature. Watch the way that they will not only use him on the ins or on the outside, but they'll move him inside on twists and stunts and things like that and Corbin of course we've talked so much about some of Seattle's issues on the interior of the offensive line Aiden Hutchinson is a game wrecker if there is somebody on Detroit's defense that could absolutely turn this game around for the Lions it is him he should be we talked about how the Viking or excuse me the the Lions tried to bracket Justin Jefferson the Minnesota receiver the Seahawks should be considering some ways to try and slow down Aiden Hutchinson for that very same reason he can take this game over and he's going to play on both sides of the line. He's about 50-50 right now, rushing from right and left defensive end. 
And so he's going to get matchups with both Cross and Lucas in this game. And they've got to have a running back ready to pick him up and, and come in and chip, or they got to have a tight end ready to chip consistently on him. Because even though he's a first-year player, he, like you said, he's that dynamic already coming in the league. He's got a veteran play style already. And so that is the kind of really be disruptive. And so they're going to have to have somebody that can chip at running back or tight end to take care of him. And Charles Harris is going to be a problem too, just because of his quickness. In fact, he yep. gave the Seahawks tackle some issues last year. So I don't think this is one of the elite pass rushes the Seahawks have in their schedule, but they've got some guys on the outside that could be game wreckers, most notably Hutchinson. And so another tough test for Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. We'll see how they handle that. All right, Rock, let's shift over now in our third segment here on our matchup Wednesday of Locked on Seahawks. The Seahawks on defense going up against the number one offense in the NFL right now, the Detroit Lions. And there are some caveats when we're looking at these matchups because right now I would be stunned if running back DeAndre Swift plays in this game. I have heard from a couple sources that cover Detroit that they think he's already out this week, even though it hasn't been announced. He's dealing with a shoulder and ankle injury. So that is something that would certainly be nice for the Seattle Seahawks. Not having to deal with a guy that's averaging almost nine yards a carry this year. Swift has been phenomenal so far this season. And Amandre St. Brown, their number one receiver, he's dealing with an ankle injury. There's a good chance they're going to be cautious and not play him. Josh Reynolds, one of their top receivers, is banged up. They had a laundry list of guys on their injury list today. So keeping that in mind, Rob, these matchups are going to maybe be a little different looking than they would be if this team was – healthier than what they are right now it does look like there's gonna be some key guys that are not playing but I think when we start looking at these matchups Seahawks O or Seahawks D against the Lions O I think we have got to start with the safeties maybe because Quandre Diggs is making his homecoming to Detroit this is the first time he's played in Detroit since he was traded to the Seahawks midway through the 2019 season and he was talking today about all the memories he has how the first couple years were great obviously did not have any good time when he's playing for Matt Patricia, and that's why he ended up in Seattle, but really loved playing for Jim Caldwell's first year in Detroit. And so he's got a lot of memories there, but he and Josh Jones, if those two receivers I mentioned are not playing, TJ Hawkins is already going to be a target for Jared Goff, but he suddenly becomes maybe their number one passing target. And that is not an easy matchup for any safety in the NFL. Hawkinson, one of the most underrated, underappreciated tight ends in the league. Yeah, Hawkins, it's a really good player. Uh, you know, if Detroit's offense continues its current pace where it's leading the NFL in points scored, then I think that a lot of people are going to wake up to the fact that the Detroit Lions were very justified in, in using a, an early first-round pick on him coming out of Iowa. Uh, he, a really good player. And, and considering the fact that Seattle, you know, basically throughout the Pete Carroll tenure has has struggled in defending tight ends, and they certainly are going to struggle with Josh Jones, who, while he was dynamic in training camp, as we talked about, he has struggled so far in the regular season. And I, I think it'd be easy to, to focus in on Quandre Diggs and, and maybe with Jared Goff. Of course, Seahawks fans know Jared Goff very well. I think it's always a fun matchup when you have an instinctive free safety like Diggs against a quarterback who will throw the ball around a little bit uh, in Jared Goff. But I agree with you. I, I think specifically Jones or maybe even Ryan Neal going up against TJ Hawkinson, I, I think is a matchup to watch. But 
I, I think similar as I said in on uh, from the Seahawks point of view, when they are on offense, that whoever runs the football most effectively, I think is going to wind up winning this game. And until Seattle can stop anybody, then I, I think that you have to be very, very concerned because as you mentioned, DeAndre Swift is not likely to play in this game. But at the same time, to just ignore what Jamal Williams is, I think is a huge mistake. I mean, Nick Lee, former BYU guy himself, is going to know Jamal Williams as well as anybody. I'm curious to hear his analysis as this week uh, unfolds. But I can tell you this, Jamal Williams, uh, not only what he did with the BYU Cougars, what he did with the Green Bay Packers and since the Detroit Lions, he is one of the more physical downhill running backs in all of the league. He will put linebackers on their backside and considering that on their backside is where we've seen far too much of Jordan Brooks and certainly Cody Barton so far this year. That has got to be, at least in my opinion, the number one matchup that the Seahawks defense has got to address. Yeah, I think that this is going to be consistently week in, week out, one of the matchups to watch until the Seahawks, as you said, prove that they can stop anyone running the football. It's been a problem in all three games, and you have to point out the linebackers because I didn't think that Jordan Brooks had a terrible game last Sunday. He did get pancaked a couple of times. There was one time that, and this is a play that I was laughing watching the All-22, he actually hurdled and then immediately in the air got pancaked to the ground. So probably will th think twice next time he tries to hurdle over a guy that's trying to cut block him. But we talked about the struggles that Cody Barton has had the last couple of weeks with his run fits and getting absorbed by blockers, not being able to shed those blocks. This Detroit Lions team will get blockers up to the second level. They're one of the best out there. They have a diverse run game. And so Cody Barton, you've got to elevate your game. If he is not able to do that, then Jamal Williams is going to run all over this defense, especially the offensive line that he has in front of him. Detroit, I think, has a sleeper top five offensive line. There's a couple first-round picks on that front line. They're a little bit banged up on the offensive line, too. But if they've got everybody there this weekend, that is going to be a tall task for the Seahawks. And Jamal Williams is one of the better backup running backs. He's a starter caliber running back behind DeAndre Swift. And so plugging him into the lineup, they're not going to miss too much. He's a different style runner, but he's an effective one that can 20-plus carry you and really wear down your defense. So that is obviously going to be a key matchup to watch. Now, last but not least, as I just mentioned, the Lions have what I believe is one of the most underrated offensive lines in the league, and you've got a team that's third in rushing yards right now, number one scoring offense, a big part of that are the guys up front, and in particular in the middle. They've got good tackles. they got two first-round tackles on this offensive line, too. But Frank Ragnow, their center, he's a little banged up, did not practice today, but he did play last week, even though he's been dealing with an injury. You've got him. You've got Jonah Jackson. And one of my favorite players, Logan Stenberg from Kentucky, a player that we thought the Seahawks might draft a few years ago. Sure enough, he's growing into a solid starting right guard for the Detroit Lions. This is an offensive line in the interior led by Logan Stenberg's tenacity. We're talking about a physical, nasty interior offensive line that is going to get after it. So just like I kind of nudged Cody Barton a little bit, hey, you need to step up your game. The defensive line in the interior, Al Woods has been really good all season, but the rest of this group, as Clint Hurt said today, they have been inconsistent. If you are inconsistent and up and down playing against this interior offensive line for the Lions – they are going to run the ball all over you, 
and they are going to dominate you in the trenches. Seattle cannot afford that. So really that front seven, I think, is the deciding factor for the Seahawks in this game. I think they're going to be able to score points on offense. I think Geno Smith's going to have some success against that secondary. I think they should be able to run the ball well. But you're not winning in Detroit against this team if that front seven doesn't make major strides considering the talent that they're going to be going up against with this Detroit offensive line and their backfield talent. Yeah, I think that's well said. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of what the head coach Dan Campbell has done in Detroit. He has completely switched around the mentality of this team. You know, it, it's kind of funny um, that they are called the Lions because for a long time they could have been described as the Pussycats because they just were not very physical at the point of attack. And they have completely changed that. As you mentioned, I mean, they've got multiple first round picks. The left tackle, Taylor Decker, first round pick, the center, Frank Ragno, uh, an all pro caliber player, a pro bowler the last couple of seasons, I believe. Uh, Penny Sewell is a stud. Uh, the, the right tackle, who could be a left tackle if the Lions wanted him to play there. And then, of course, the two guards, uh, good physical players, as you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, you know, with Logan Stenberg, again, one of our personal favorites, just because of that tenacity, they get after you along the line of scrimmage. And the only one on Seattle's defensive line that I've seen consistently be able to match that physicality has been Al Woods, the oldest player on your team. Shelby Harris, good football player, but again, a 30 year old kind of a guy. Uh, so I, I just I wonder if Seattle is going to be able to match the physicality at the point of attack. And if they cannot, this is going to be another very difficult uh, game to be able to overcome that. I, I just see a, a deep start Lions team that I think might be able to control the clock. They're very similar the way the San Francisco 49ers and the uh, Atlanta Falcons the past two weeks were, were able to do so. At the same time, I just don't think that Detroit has the skill position talent that either Detroit or Atlanta had. And that's what makes this game that much closer, uh, in my opinion. I really think this is going to be one of those kind of nip and tuck kind of football games, a really entertaining one. But as you mentioned, I really think an underrated matchup in this game is just right there at the line of scrimmage. I'd ask people to try, try to take your eyes off the ball a little bit and just watch the behemoth along the behemoths along the line of scrimmage, especially for Detroit. They they're big, they're physical, they are nasty. And, and that, frankly, is what happens when you invest those early picks in offensive linemen. Kudos to the Seahawks for figuring it out this year and, and making those selections with, of course, Charles Cross, who has played very well, uh, and Abe Lucas. But when you invest a first-round pick in a center and he becomes an all-pro and the leader of your offensive line, you know, the, the, the proof can, is fairly obvious. And Ragno is a real difference maker in the middle for that team. I would not be surprised at all if the Lions are able to run successfully on Seattle. And again, that should be scary, scary news for Seahawks fans. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and have a podcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, it's Crossover Thursday. I'll be joining Matt Derry of Locked on Lions to continue previewing Sunday's upcoming road contest. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.